What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This is part two of how to build a consultancy with Simon Walters. Let's get into the intro and then me waffling on for a little bit more. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. Okay, guys, this is part two. Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety does exactly what it says on the tin, which is challenge those over-the-top practices and those perceptions of health and safety. And we do that through long-form interviews like this one on a podcast and tips, tricks, how-tos, etc., vlogs, keynotes, the whole shebang on YouTube as well. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button and the like and the bell and all those buttons that you've got to press because it really helps me with the algorithm and all that malarkey. So... This is part two of a two-part episode with Simon Walters, who's going to tell us essentially how to build a consultancy or really how to build a business because it's kind of all the same, really. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go and check that out. Simon has just got some extensive experience in building a business and with my kind of opinionated nature when it comes to consultants, I really do think we can bring some value in this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. I'll stop waffling on. Let's get into today's two part second second episode of the two-part series conversation with simon let's get into the podcast lovely jubbly simon welcome back part two <laughs> nice to be here again james yeah <laughs> you sure <laughs> what does what does the s on your cup stand for does that stand for simon it uh, stands for safety. No, it doesn't really. Oh, okay. My wife's name is Sherry. It's, it's... Oh, okay. I thought it was like a special cup for me. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, that's, I do that for all of my guests. I've got, <laughs> all right, all right. Excellent. Yeah, I've got thousands of different lettered mugs now, basically. <laughs> or you can only invite people on your podcast with the first name beginning with S. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look back at who we've had on. It all starts with S. Oh, well, they've got S somewhere in their name. Yeah, oh. no, cool. No, thanks for having me back on. Really enjoyed it the other day. I think we could have talked for ages yeah. um, the other day. And we didn't really touch much on safety. It was kind of more around the, the business element and our our background into, into safety and rhino safety, which is nice. I think that's good, mate. I think, you know, what, what we can, what you can really, not, not to say that you're not a good safety professional, I'm sure you are, but like, you know, where I think <laughs> you're, you're, your real value comes in is is what you're doing with with raw it's like and you said it yourself you know that's your passion is building businesses um so you know 100 yeah i mean yeah i mean i say that to my staff now um there are better health and safety professionals than me uh you know i'm, I'm a chartered member um of iosh but my passion is is in business um and building businesses up and I don't, other than doing my CPD, I don't really want to, to do much more from a health and safety um, training point of view. My goal now is to um, build my consultants. Um, I want them to achieve chartered status. And that, that is my goal. While I look more at the strategic element of rhino safety and, and looking at how we're going to drive the business forward, certainly in these times at the moment uh, with COVID-19 and, and, and 
and that all going on and everyone on lockdown it's like well how do we how do we survive uh, and then how do we grow and how do we come out of the back end of that so that's certainly where personally i want to be and, and it's it's quite interesting because you do get consultants that set up on their own um and they only ever want to be a one-man band which is obviously fine but we took that different angle to it and we wanted to grow a business not to say that they don't have a proper business but a business where we have you know hundreds of clients um an empire a lot of staff <laughs> yeah eventually eventually no I, I think i think i alluded to last time we set up rhino to be happy yeah uh, we did lose that focus about 12 months ago where we were much more focused on turnover goals um and we brought it right back round to to being happy again mm. and uh, we don't want to lose that focus so if we do grow bigger it will be on the understanding that happiness is always there is in the background i mean we do things like we take our staff out for lunch we go out for breakfasts you know, we go to, the, there's a pizza place near us that do pizza and waffles that's just amazing. So we'll go out there, they get the, they get a day's holiday um, when it's the birthday. We'll have, you know, bringing cakes uh, now and again. Um, we'll go out and we'll do charitable events. Like we did a fire walk, uh, I think that was last year or the year before. Cool. Um, and things like that. And I think it's, you know, you're a long time working and... I think it's really important to treat your staff as you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. um, and I think yeah. as well, like, there's a couple of things. We'll come back to that staff thing because I think we, we touched on that in the last episode. And um, mm. I think it's a valid, a very good and valid conversation to have there. But I like what you kind of said, and it resonates with me about you know being up front about saying you know you lost your focus a little bit. You were counting the numbers and 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 you know lost the why did we actually do this and i think that resonates to so many people like even if you're in my game for example and you start a podcast tomorrow you start a youtube channel tomorrow you know you, you, you're trying to build your social media kind of um uh, presence yeah. for example counting those those subscribers and and you know this is this is fresh for me for, for as a prime and kind of fresh example i took a huge break in february took just took a month off if, if i'm brutally honest you know kind of burnt out um yeah. took a month off just didn't, didn't produce any content whatsoever we have some content we could have put out but just i just decided no i just disappeared off the face of the earth for one month potentially and um <clears throat> We took a massive hit in listeners, according to our, our kind of right. platform we used to we We lost probably, according to that platform, about 200, according to, and I was like, shit, like that's, that's 200 clients potentially, especially where yeah. now we're starting to grow and we, we've just, we just kind of got our first affiliate partnership now. So, you know, we're actually starting to get opportunities to bring money in and we've just lost 200 clients. And I yeah. was, and it got this just this morning. You know, I'm on a, I'm on a walk and listening to some other podcasts, and it's just like I don't know what happened, but something just made me think, for God's sake, you know, that's really got me down now. And then I come back, and just this morning before we had our first call, um, I had a call this morning at ten o'clock, 
did a bit of research and it turns out that the platform that we're using their analytics is not great for measuring the other platforms so like spotify <laughs> right. and itunes are not great at that so what you can do apparently is go into spotify and get their raw ones and then going iTunes. So we found out it's actually not as bad as what we thought. Actually, it's a little bit better than what we thought. But forget that because today I had three back-to-back interviews. I'm bouncing off the walls, mate. I have to remind myself why I do this. And I do this because I just yeah. I love I love talking. I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I love talking You'll to get on well with my wife. <laughs> I love talking to to people that that, that you know love what they do whether it's building a business like yourself whether it's being a safety professional whether it's being um you know we, we just like i said earlier interviewed dominique from the royal opera house and this morning tim marsh you know they, they love what they do they've got fascinating work and i'm you know buzzing you have to kind of bring yourself back to ask yeah why and uh, i think it's important that you don't dwell too much on the past um and you always got to focus on where, where the future, what lies for you in the future. I remember when we, we set up, we had a, we signed a massive client, you know, it was a really, really big client and, uh, you know, we're, we're really happy with it. And for one reason or another, we lost them. They didn't renew after 12 months and it was devastating, absolutely devastating. You know, they were, the income from that was, was was a massive help to keeping the business going. Um, and we took a massive hit. And I remember getting in the car and I, and I rang Kate and I said, you know, look, yeah, they've not re-signed. And, uh, and I think that's why we worked we were well, because I was feeling really down. And then she was like, well, you know, this is going to give us more time now to focus on the future. You know, the time that we were spending dealing with that client you can now go out and do more prospects and then she kind of like brought that back round um and then we've we've grown on from there and interestingly that client came back to us uh, about two years ago which was nice so i think it all comes it all comes back round but you can't dwell on mistakes you know you said about you know you didn't do anything in february now you could look back and beat yourself up about that there isn't anything you can do about that. You can't change it. Um, so there's no point in dwelling on it and you do need to look forwards. Conversely, you do also need to remember where you've been. Mm. So remember, I've, I've been saying about us focusing too much on the numbers of about 12 months ago. Um, and it got to a point where we missed one of our monthly sales targets. And I was, I was again, I was devastated, completely beating myself up. You know, this is ridiculous. We've missed this target. We're not going to hit our 12 month goal. Um, and then Kate went, well, what did we do this time last year? And we we did like 10 grand less than what we'd, we'd just done. So when you actually look, when we actually look back, we have improved and I was beating myself up for increasing our turnover by 10 grand, even though we just missed the, we missed the target. Yeah. So that's why it kind of made us think, well, we need to bring it back round to why we set up the business in the first place. And that was to be happy. It wasn't to hit a target. I mean, what is, what is a target anyway? It's just a, it's just a number. It's just a, a figure. The, the ironic Do you know what I mean? Because I'm running the business. 
yeah, we decided on those targets ourselves. It's not like we've got shareholders or mm. anything else that are going to beat us up for, for not hitting those targets. It was always putting the pressure on ourselves. So, yeah, I think it's, it is important to not dwell on the past, but to also congratulate yourselves and make sure you don't lose sight of why you set up. Mm. So instead of beating ourselves up for missing that sales target, we actually brought it back around and went, well, we've actually increased ourselves by 10 grand in 12 months, yeah. Yeah. which is a, you know, a really good achievement. Um, I think that is powerful. I do, I do think I remember listening to um, when I started podcasting, listening to um, Pat Flynn, who's just a huge podcaster in, um, I think he's moved into YouTube now as well, actually. He's massively yeah. successful in the podcast game and, and kind of passive income game, if you want to call it that, <clears throat> in America. And he's um, quite interestingly got, uh, I'm sure it was Pat, I could be wrong, it could be someone else, but basically got, got like a notice board in his office, which is basically screenshot and printed like really positive feedback that someone's given. Um, and he just has that on that on a kind of board in his office, just as a turnaround, you know, because let's be honest, when you yeah. start in this kind of podcast and YouTube, social media game, you get haters, you get people that write, <laughs> write nasty shit and that, that just, you can't avoid it. It's, a, it's an avoidable iPad. So I've only had one, if I'm honest, that one person that just said, oh, why don't you why don't you do this in a blog? I'd much rather read it in a blog. Well, <laughs> piss off to somebody who reads a blog then, mate, because I don't, I can't. Yeah. Spell can't spell for shit so i'm not going to do it um so he kind of uses that board um to kind of remind himself and i, and I do think that's interesting you know and I, I i still am so just shocked and grateful that there's we've got like 217 subscribers on youtube so that's 217 people that have pressed a button to decide to listen and watch my content and get notified of my content on a regular basis. You, know, yeah. you have to kind of remember those things, don't you? To ground yourself, to survive those kind of, whether it's a, a little nudge, you know, a little step back, whether it's a big hit on a business like yourself in coronavirus now, you know, whether yeah. it's losing a client, doesn't matter. All of it is the same. It's grounding yourself in those positives. It's is is a great message, I think, mate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had we've had haters. I remember. Um someone rang up and asked for a quote, um, just a rough quote for health and safety. And I, I told him, ah, we've got a minimum fee. So I told him our minimum fee and just put the phone down on me, you know, without saying anything. And I was just like, wow. Um, it's just, you know, ridiculous. But you got to bear in mind that you're not going to please everyone. Um, and that's why we don't really worry when there's, you know, competitors and things like that, because, you know, we've targeted the kind of um high quality health and safety service so we're not the cheapest but there are people that have targeted that they want to be the cheapest they're going to sell loads um and, and that's not where we position ourselves in the market so you know in the grand scheme of things then that person that put the phone down on me can go to one of my competitors that, that do charge cheaper and it's the same with raw business coaching. I remember we posted something out on Facebook, um, just advertising our services and it had our costs in it as well. Cause we, we always believe that, you know, you, sh you should be transparent um, and upfront with your costings where you can. And I remember um, a couple of people posting on there saying, you know, too expensive. Uh, why don't you just, why don't people just do networking instead? Um, 
and Kate was all all about to to go back in the comments and start having a you know start having a do with him. And and again, this is where we work well. And I kind of and put you know calmed her down and said, look, well, what getting an, into an argument with them now uh, on social media? What is that going to going to accomplish? Mm. It's not going to accomplish anything. However, the takeaway from this is they clearly don't understand what a mastermind is. They're, they're, they seem to think that the mastermind is a kind of like networking and you, and you get business out of it. Whereas the mastermind is more of like you're helping each other grow, you're helping with issues, problems. Yeah. Um, so I actually made it clear that we weren't explaining what a mastermind was. So we actually took you know, those comments from some haters and actually turned it around to change. Yeah, we changed our marketing style. So the the next few posts we had on social media was describing what what is a mastermind, what happens at our mastermind groups. Mm. Um, We did some videos as well, just explaining a little bit more. So rather than get into an argument, which obviously A takes your focus and does take energy as well, um, we turned it round and, and described a bit more, and, and since that we've not had had anything else as you, well. You, but you are going to get it. You will get it, and and you're right. It takes energy. You know, let let let's think like just look at boxing. There's a reason they trash talk each other because it's a, it's a psychological game. It takes energy. You know, yeah. and people just enjoy seeing successful people bite on comments like that and there is some people there's a guy local to me who does kind of like sit so his, his business is kind of like social media and videos and stuff like that and he he's very proactive on those negative comments and he works very hard on actually replying but replying very like overtly positively and, and yeah, sometimes yeah, it doesn't work sometimes it does work and and but he will turn it around on them as a real positive and it's it's quite yeah. clever how he does it and and I, and I said to him like you know how how did that come and he did say over time like this is right. low because your first and, and you probably know, like when somebody makes those comments about your business, like you said in the, in episode one, I think it was like, you know, this is your baby, isn't it? Like everyone yeah. who runs a business or even has like a weird podcast like me, it, <laughs> it, it, it this is your baby. And when somebody says something bad about it, you do become defensive of it. But that gentleman who said, why don't you just write this in a blog? The manner in which he said it was wrong. But, but what he's saying does have a point is i'm i'm yeah. missing out on a potential stream of uh of, of content by not blogging yeah. and that's and that is there on that so that is there on our kind of radar and if it didn't cost so much to get someone to transcribe what we do then we would probably do it but i'm not bloody transcribing what i say could <laughs> take no, but i think there's a lot of um virtual assistants now that you can mm. that you can use i mean have you read um tim ferris's book um, four-hour work week. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Yeah, that, that's very, very interesting. And, and, he, and it says you can you can hire um, a virtual assistant in uh, you know in a, in, a, in a different country, and, and mm. you don't pay them that much. And if it's simple, basic things like transcribing, obviously there may be a language barrier using someone in a different country. Yeah. Um, but if it is transcribing, it can be quite cost effective um, to do that. So, but you're right. You need to take the the actions away from 
from the any comments that you get on on, on wherever social media or just feedback from from clients and things you know we always get asked for training and we, we never provided training and because we got asked for it so much we then invested in an online training portal and we now make you know we now make a bit of profit out of that every year so yeah. you do need to look at, at feedback but i wouldn't necessarily say you should act on everything you get yeah yeah it's interesting all the different the different kind of tactics against it and i think you know everyone can listen and, and kind of build their own tactic there's something else you did say that i quite like um and and there's probably not much of a conversation around this but i would just like to say i like the sound of you putting your prices up on on because it drives me insane when i'm looking for something they don't tell me how much it is like please ring us to tell how much it's not i don't want to talk to you yeah i want to go on a website and i want to find three different contractors that tell me and i I understand that that different jobs you know need quoting and i i I understand that but a general day rate or a general kind of package or whatever would would just help me as a as a client as a customer for God's yeah. sake, write your bloody prices yeah. on your website. Well, I um, I was interested in like an online PT, um, and I've been following his work. I like what he does. He, you know, he had a very good, um, he looked like a very good program in place. Um, he did some free challenges and things, so I did them. Really liked his style. Messaged him and said, you know give us a rough idea of your costs uh, and he said oh we need to get on the phone I need you need to book a zoom call with me to see if we're right to see if we can work together and I was like well I don't want to waste your time you know I've got a figure in my head you must have a you know a minimum a minimum give us a rough rough cost oh no no you can't you know I don't know if you're right for me and I'm right for you and I was like look I'm not I'm really busy <laughs> I'm not gonna book an hour zoom call you know, for you to go through your sales pitch to then come up with a, you know, tell me a price at the end. They've just wasted my, an hour of my time and an hour of your time. And he, he refused to um, refused to send me a price over. So I've just not not taken it any further because it's, it's just, business. yeah. Yeah, and then I've just been like, he could have so, you know, we said that's five pounds an hour, for example, and you'd have been like, well, that's well within my budget. There we yeah. go, got business. And then we have yeah. a call to say whether we fit or not. And another thing that drives me insane is somebody doing a sales pitch and then saying, and how much do you think you pay for that, James? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Because in my mind, a tenner. Like, <laughs> I want to pay a tenner for everything. No more, no less. <laughs> like, yeah. so, uh, and, and I, one, I feel stupid by, like, under quote, because I never know what number to pick. And yeah. two, everything they come back is always much more than what I say, so I look like a tight ass. Yeah. Just yeah. tell me how much... <laughs> It's going to cost me. That's all I want. Yeah. I mean, very early on, um, and I don't know why we did this, but we set a minimum fee. So we said, look, if anyone wants to work with us, it's £100 a month minimum, you know, yeah. and then the price goes up from there. And we've been very, you know, very transparent, you know, look, you know, if it's under that, we can't do anything for you. However, you know, we can point you in, the, you know, in the direction of some of our competitors with i don't know what they charge but we can you know we can point you in, in the direction yeah. of some competitors and you know we're very happy to to give a rough costing you know if someone rings us up and just lets us know what they do and what industry they're in we can give, give them a rough idea over the phone 
Um, interestingly, and I think I said it in the, in the first podcast, um, we're looking at developing ourselves, Kate and I, developing ourselves as uh, business people. Um, and we've done a lot of a lot of training around all the different you know, business elements. And one of the, the courses we went last year was uh, sales training. Uh, and, and part of that was being very transparent and very clear with your pricing um, strategy uh, and making sure that you know you, you do tell people what, you know what you what you costing is. Mm. And interestingly, in that sales in the sales training. Obviously, it's Kate and I that, that run the business, and we've got um, seven staff. So while we were there at the training, I think it was on a, a Monday. Um, what they did is the the guy taking the training rang our office and asked them for a price yeah. for health and safety yeah. as like a test to see what they would say, yeah. knowing that I. I obviously do me and Kate do the majority of the the, the sales. Yeah. So what the, what the obviously the point of this this was to see well when you are not there, what do your staff say to someone who's after a price? So we rang them up, and um, they, they they took the call, but they wouldn't give a price out because obviously we'd not trained them, we'd not told them yeah. what to do. Um, and yeah, they were very courtesy, courteous, uh, and things like that. But they couldn't give a price, and, and and you know the guy running the sales training was like, "Look, I need a price now. I, I, I'm ready to go. I've, I, I'm literally, I want to sign up. I just need a price." And it made a point that no, yeah, I mean they were like, yeah, it was very interesting when we got back. They were like, oh, "We just had this phone call." Uh, but yeah, it was very interesting that after that we made sure they they had a, like a, a, a script, mm. um, a rough idea of costings. You know, it is it is rough. The, the you know they have to they have to ascertain is it a high, medium, or low risk business, and then give them a rough cost that will be confirmed later by by Kate or ourselves, and then we went from there with it. So that that was a very interesting. Uh, very interesting exercise to actually go through. Mm. I think that's that's in a lot of people get to a point in their safety career, um, whether they become you know chartered um, member of IOSH or, or whatever, and they go right. I'm, I, I want to look at setting up my own consultancy. You need to have those sales skills. Or you need someone that you know that's going to work for you to have them. You may be the best health and safety consultant out there, but if you don't know actually how the sales process works, how to actually ask for an order, then you're not going to get any business. You're not going to do well. Mm. Um, and I think that's why we come at it differently. I'm very business orientated. So, for example, when I'm recommending um, solutions and controls to hazards and risks for my clients, it's not an arse covering exercise. Mm. It's a business focused exercise. Mm. You know, we've we've been into clients and they've been told, oh, we need to install a full emergency lighting system 
system uh, in our building. Um, and I go in and ask them, well, do you work at night? No. And then, you know, we go through that whole process and it's like, well, what can we do that, 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 that actually controls the hazard, but isn't going to cost you, you know, five, 10 grand. So I think we put a, a good business, a business head on it. Mm. How, how do you go about that kind of conversation in the beginning of, of working out your, your pricing structure? And I, I know you said you can't remember why you set a base level, but like that kind of, I think it'd be helpful for, for anyone, me included, to, yeah. there's got to be some kind of like competitor research, how much are other people charging? You know, what, what are you, what are you even delivering? You know, some people yeah. would be happy to, to only work on retainers. And some people were, were, were happy to just deliver a one-off uh, fire risk assessment or a one-off yeah. manual handling training or whatever. Is juggling that and actually deciding what I want to deliver as a business is, is yeah. probably one of the first challenges people have, would, would you think? Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes back to, you know, being a very good health and safety consultant doesn't necessarily mean that you're your consultancy is going to be successful because you know i know people out there that charge 150 pound day rate um we charge about we charge 500 pound day rate on you know on an ad hoc fee james could you just bear with me one second yeah. i just need to go and shout at someone downstairs because there's loads of banging right and back <laughs> all right hopefully you can cut that out yeah if not leave it in it might be a bit funny um so to be honest, normally I, I try to, I do ask sometimes, like, do you mind if I leave that in? Because I quite like, especially now when we're all working from home. Shouting at my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it just sounds natural. Like sometimes I have people knock over a cup and or, or like yeah, right. just give the, knock, the microphone a knock. It's just life, but don't worry. Yeah, I, I, will, I will cut you going, okay. <laughs> leave it in if you want. Um, yeah, going back, to, going back to the pricing, um, we aligned ourselves we decided where we wanted to be within the market so we wanted to be um kind of like mid-range so not the cheapest you, know, yeah. you get a lot of one-man bands out there um we did, we wanted to be like kind of mid-range uh not the cheapest not the most expensive um so that that was our positioning uh, initially um what we also did because it because we'd always in the industries or the businesses that we were in before uh, and a lot of our large competitors so peninsula citation mhl um what they do is they put uh, clients on retainers yeah. and we really liked that model um rather than uh you know you pay us 50 quid and i'll write a risk assessment for you mm -hmm. so our model was we um, look at signing people into one year, two year, or three year deals on a on a retainer. We basically are their health and safety department, and that uh, you know includes a number of site visits, writing the health and safety policy, the risk assessments. Just, just quickly for those that, that might not know, a retainer is, if I'm right, like a, a lump sum up front for like buyers that year. Is that right? Yeah, so yeah, they either we agree on a lump sum and they can pay that over uh, uh, on a monthly fee as well okay. if they want to. So, say for example, it was two two thousand pounds, they could just divide that by 12 yeah. um, and pay us, pay us per month. Um, so, that, that's the model that we decided on. Um, and 
that includes like things like fire risk assessments. We'll throw in some online training as well. At, and it's based on what the client wants. There is a rough template there. Um, but the client may say, well, we don't want a fire risk assessment or we want to see you every month or you know, once a year is fine. So then that determines the the cost. Right. So I think what um what a good idea is to work out what your day rate is yeah. and then and then base your your if you want to do a retainer model is base your retainer around around that day rate so like i say um i know people that charge 150 pound for a day which is just you know incredibly cheap mm. um and i do think you need to value your time you know you can be the best health and safety consultant you can write the most fabulous um risk assessments but if you're only charging 50 pound for him and they're taking the two days to write you're gonna go out of business you're not gonna get enough you know enough, enough time in the day to write enough risk assessments to uh to generate enough money and I, and i do to to a point i do think that and, and i'm not going to tie everyone with the same brush but in my experience if you pay cheap you get cheap in my experience however I'm not tiring everyone with the same brush, you know, it could be anything, you know, I've, I've had people approach me about doing a fire assessment and, and done them for, for a little bit, you know, it's dirt cheap, you know, absolutely dirt cheap just to cover essentially my insurance and, and bits and bobs like that. And probably like 20 quid on the top to go out for dinner and that's it. So, and I, I would like to say I delivered quite a good risk assessment. So I don't think that it, that, that worked that saying does work across the board however in my experience thinking of a couple of contractors that i've come across you know you get the classic as a safety professional procurement coming in and saying god look it's only like 200 quid for a fire assessment yeah, yeah. because it's gonna i wouldn't wipe my ass with it you know it's gonna be yeah. that bad um <laughs> you know the average I went, um, like two, I went, 250 600 i think for a fire assessment yeah. nowadays yeah yeah i went down to uh essex to see a to see a potential client down there um and to pitch for the work and we were having a chat and he was using someone and he was paying them on a hourly rate so i think it was a one-man band and he was paying him yeah by the hour and we were just having a general chat and he said oh yeah he was here the other day and he wrote me a risk assessment on making a cup of coffee and i said i said look I said, look, I don't care if you don't use me, but stop using this guy because, you know, you've got a risk assessment here for a cup of coffee, but you've got half your machines out there that haven't got risk assessments on. Mm. You know, you're paying him by the hour and he's just sat in here writing, you know, coming up with things to write risk assessments on because you're paying him by the hour. Mm. You know, so I, I think the the monthly retainer model that, that we use, I think, you know, works really well for us but really well for our clients because they know that their health and safety is going to cost them x amount a month or x amount a year and they, can and they know that any health and safety issues they can just pick up the phone to us and say look we've got this problem you know i need this i need this pqq filling in this pre-qualification questionnaire or i need my construction line accreditation doing and they know that we'll just deal with them there's no additional costs uh, only any additional costs are just agreed beforehand and that's things like if they want us to you know do an extra visit to site or anything like that but nine times out of ten it's all covered in what they pay us anyway so it works for them and it works for us because we know what income we're going to get each month as well yeah. so if there is a global pandemic you know then 
stuff doesn't shut down. I mean, we've got competitors that are predominantly health and safety training companies. Now, they they've just had everything shut now. I mean, a lot of them now are shifting to to doing stuff online and via webinar. But you know, imagine going a month with no income coming in. Mm. So that's why the the, you know, the retainer model is good. And it, it, on the flip side as well, it adds value to your business. So we can say, you know, we've got X amount of clients. You know, we've got 134 clients currently on retainers at the moment. Um, you know, we've got some clients that are on a three-year retainer. So and it's interesting because, the, you know, previous jobs I was in, we were told, oh, you know, people don't really sign up for that long. Can't charge them that much money, you know, for health and safety. And, you know, we, we've just shown that that's not true. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about being a bit like i want to i want to kind of focus on the i don't know so my dog's just coming in completely distracted okay. me um i want to kind of bring it back to that kind of that like build, building of a business and that that because i just think that is just something we've never covered before essentially and i do think it's something that's massively valuable but do you do you think like being a, a safety consultant before like i i genuinely believe that that the the, the the, the foundations of safety like good safety like forget forget the bloody paperwork forget the risk assessments forget your your rams and all that crap like just for, forget all the bureaucracy the foundations of safety being leadership risk management you know creating a good culture where people actually want to be it's just good business so did you find that you know being a safety professional there were some skills that were transferable in building a, a yeah totally business? yeah totally because i think you're always doing you know a risk assessment whether it's like you know we, we we spoke before about sacking a client well how much money is that client bringing in every month mm. you know so on one hand you're going well how much money are they bringing in so what happens if we sack the client you've lost this revenue but if we don't sack the client, how much time are they using? How much time are they wasting when we go to site and they're not there? And we can't do an inspection. Or the other thing is they weren't listening to what we were asking them to do. So they've got machinery that maybe they weren't guarding or they weren't training the staff on. Well, if they're a client of ours and there's an accident, who are they going to call when the HSE turn up? Mm. Who's going to have to go through a full, you know, accident investigation and get, you know, interviewed by the HSE when something goes wrong. And then we've got to explain that, well, we've been asking to do this stuff and they haven't done it. So how do we prove that? And so I think you're always in business unconsciously, you know, trying to assess the best way to do things. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult times at the moment with, with COVID-19. Uh, we had a number of clients ring up and say, you know, look, we, we've got no money coming in now. Can we have a payment holiday? Yeah. So me and Kate have to decide, well, what do we do? Do we give them a payment holiday, but we lose that income for three months? But if we lose that income for three months, they could survive. So they could come back as a client in three months' time. Yeah. Like take a hit. Kind of thing, yeah. So can we take that hit to help them out in the long run? So I think, you know, it is always looking at that, well, what impact is it going to have on us and how do we control that impact on the business mm. and what should we do? You know, we did give 
payment holidays to all the clients that ask for it. You know, we have, we've got clients in the event industries, all weddings have been cancelled, you know, all, all summer, big festivals gone. Um, we've got clients in the aviation industry that were working for Virgin Atlantic, just, just Virgin Atlantic turn around and just, you know, shut the door on it. So we we said you know yeah you, you know you can have a payment holiday but we had to weigh up you know what's the impact on our on our business mm. for that so i think safety does give you a a good grounding in in business from that point of view yeah but i think the biggest mistake i do see is people not valuing the time and i think this goes back to like well what do i charge yeah. you know part of the raw business coaching we do a lot of work with people and like well how do i charge this how do I, you know, what price to put on it? Yeah. And yes, so you can, you can go to and find out what your competitors are charging. But I think that can be a very dangerous game to play. I mean, we had one of our coaching clients came to me and, and, and said, well, how should I price this? She wanted to move. She's a food safety uh, expert. And she wanted to move on to a uh, monthly model. Like we do so we're working on her pricing and i can't remember the exact figures but i think her pricing came out at something like 350 pound a month after we'd done a load of work based around what her day rate is and, and what she was going to offer yeah. and uh the pricing was about 350 pound a month so she, she went away and was typing all that up as a proposal and then she rang me in a bit of a panic and said look Oh, I don't know if I can charge this much because uh, a, a big competitor of mine is charging £200 a month. And I said, all right, well, you know, calm down. Let's have a look at this. You know, what what are they actually charging for? And when she actually looked at it, they weren't charging for, you know, site visits. So there's all these additions that they, they, they had to charge. I said, look, you're a food safety expert, you know, used to be an inspector. You can provide these businesses with one-to-one bespoke advice and support mm. your big national competitor that you're looking at your pricing against isn't the same as you they're not offering the same service so don't get stressed out too much you can use a competitor's pricing to get kind of gauge the market and gauge where you then want to position your market where you want to position your pricing you know higher lower or the same as them but don't get too worried if your pricing isn't the same you know our pricing is higher than some of our national competitors but we provide a very bespoke a very more personal one-to-one service you know there's only seven of us in the team so any of our clients when they ring up everyone knows what everyone knows what the clients do everyone knows who runs the business so we can provide that quick fast response um that is bespoke to what our what our clients needs are and i think it's very important that safety professionals make sure that they do value their own time because you know if they've been working in the industry for a long time they've got a lot of experience that they can provide um that not many other people can do We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a shameless 
sponsorship clip. In all seriousness, guys, we partnered up with DRM Group. You know David McLean, he's been on the podcast time and time again. We absolutely support his message and he's got a brand new online course to help you. I'm gonna let him tell you all about it now. The brain can be trained to think and behave differently, to think in more positive and optimistic ways. And there are steps that you can take to train your brain to feel good for good. And we call this lasting positive change. Through our 16-day program, which includes daily videos and action sheets, taking you no longer than 15 minutes to complete a day. You will learn how to move away from thoughts of anger, hopelessness and frustration to a place of mental well-being and positivity. Okay guys, so if you're interested, you can click the link below and get a discount, special rebranded safety discount, full disclosure, we get a little bit kickback from that. So at the same time as improving your mental health, you can support your favorite health and safety podcast and YouTube channel. I'll let you get back into the content. What do you um it'd be interested to get your opinion it's slightly slightly off track but 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 not um say if you had like a um so, so like a member of a member of uh a, a safety professional essentially that's kind of had years of experience at kind of the leadership level and and kind of you know positioned himself now to be able to uh start his own consultancy but but essentially is targeting the more corporate position of a business so it's more like his product essentially is not your kind of day-to-day consultancy it's the you know i i want to be approached by a brand to come in and say hey look we do the basics okay but now we need someone to come in and help us around that corporate culture leadership package so you know you're talking like your big kind of money you know this is a big big like high level kind of role yeah but if you're in that position and that's the product you want to deliver right yeah but in the bit in the beginning you're not getting those products those businesses those leads turn into cycles but what you are getting is approached by you know bob's mechanics down the road saying can you do a virus assessment yeah it's it's I think this is a common conflict is like, well, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to deliver fire assessment. I don't want to deliver manual handling training, but at the moment I'm not getting those kind of big corporate packages that I want to get is, is, is is it okay? Is it, you know, obviously people make their own decisions, but in your opinion, what do you do in that that position when you need the money as well? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's the whole need the money but you fall into the trap and this is why we set our minimum fee you fall into the trap of just you know doing something for the money you know with a fire risk assessment you're writing a legal document you know if that goes wrong if there is a fire and someone dies you know they're gonna grab that fire risk assessment and see what's you know what's written in there and it you know fire risk assessors have been sent to prison because of what they've yeah. done in their assessment so i mean probably from a point like so the, the kind of gentleman I'm, I'm thinking of um would would from a competence point of view be quite easily be able to deliver that stuff but they don't yeah they don't want that to be their business that kind of basic consultancy they want to be a kind of 
essentially like a culture expert, but now they're yeah. conflicted because it's like the culture expert takes a while to get that kind of big packages come through. That the yeah, moment yeah, yeah. they could do with a couple of you know well, good virus assessments. I think if they, you get what if I mean? they need, yeah, yeah, if they need the money, then yes, do them, but don't take your focus off where you want to be. Yeah. So what you don't want is to be spending all your time doing fire risk assessments, but actually wanting to be working, you know, for for some big, big corporates. You need to be, if you're not moving in the right circles, if you're not, you know, if you said to me, right, how do I get in front of big corporates? Join the Institute of Directors, mm. go to their networking events, join the, uh, join your local chamber of commerce, see which members are in you, are there that you want to work with. Yeah. You know, go on to go on to LinkedIn and start connecting with all those people. Because if you're not doing that, because you're doing fire risk assessments at garages, you're never ever going to get there. Yeah. And I think that's where you've got to be very careful. Like I said before, you've got to be very careful with your time. Where are you spending your time, and where are you spending your focus? Because if it isn't looking for these big corporates, you're never going to get there. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that 100 percent of your time should be focused on these big corporates because if you need a little bit of cash coming in then yeah do, do these you know the, the smaller jobs here yeah you do like 40 50 50 whatever yeah yeah but the other thing is to have a very good spread of mm. clients so for example you know we've got 134 clients they range in size they range in industry you know we don't work with offshore we don't work in the nuclear industry and we don't work in the mining industry, but pretty much anything else, you know, we, we've got covered. So hotels, logistics companies, engineering companies, manufacturing companies, um, anything like that. So, which is good because now we've seen aviation industry is ground to halt, events industry is ground to halt. So we've lost clients that work in both those other industries. But pharmaceutical industries, IT industry, clients in those, absolutely crazy busy at the moment. Mm. So I think you need a good range of clients. If you're working for one type of client, or if you've only got one, if you've only got one client, then you've got a massive issue if anything happens to them. You know, if they look at cutting costs, if they go bust, you've got no business. So yes, you may have a target ideal client and i think it's very good to be very clear on who your ideal client is so our ideal client for rhino is engineering manufacturing companies in the northwest and they've got about 10 staff so that's our perfect client because they obviously medium high risk businesses so they know they need health and safety However, they're not scrutinized as much as say construction companies are by the HSE. So they're not using all our time up, but they're using enough of our time up. So they know that safety is, you know, at the forefront of their mind. So I think it's very good to have your ideal client, but you also need a spread of clients across industries. And the other thing is you need to make sure you have a spread of clients that pay you varying amounts of money as well. So we've got some clients that pay just our minimum fee and some clients that pay us, you know, thousands of pounds a month. Mm. 
that kind of like bronze silver gold package or whatever yeah we have it yeah exactly we have a bronze silver gold package so okay (laughs) we have a range of clients that 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 pay us a, a range of different amounts of money so which is good because it, you know if we if we took we lost a client you are going to lose clients and it's not going to be the client that you think you're going to lose and you will lose them and it could be for any any reason but you know in my experience you know one day you just get a telephone call out the blue or whatever it is and they'll say oh well, you know we're bringing safety in-house now yeah. and uh you do need you know you do need a range of, of varying clients you know we've been used to know a company that they did work for ice cream an ice cream van manufacturer and that was it that was their only client an ice cream van manufacturer and you think wow you know if they if they just stop working if they decide to just get in or whatever very seasonal <laughs> business well yeah i think yeah i think they were very busy at certain times of the year <laughs> uh, that was it and it was just very it's a very dangerous game that you play if you've got all your eggs in one basket Mm. I'd recommend if you are starting out, yes, you have your target market, which may be big corporates, and that's where you want to be. But don't don't negate the need to have these small clients just mm. to get a little bit of money coming in. Plus, what you're also doing as well, if you're doing a good job, um, you're building up a bank of testimonials. Yeah. You know, you're building up people that are talking highly of you, and what you'll find you'll find that you'll just get business off the back of doing really good work. I mean, we get 90%, 90% of our work comes from referrals, which is, is obviously great because it means we're doing a good job. Um, and we don't have to spend much on there on sales and marketing. marketing. I was just going to say, interestingly, um, you know, we've been going nearly five years now and like I say, majority of our work comes from referrals. So we've always been concerned with, well, what if that dries up? And we've been saying that for five years. Um, so we, we actually, we engaged a telemarketing company and I think they did three months for us on the phones and we didn't really get much out of that. We then tried um, doing SEO and didn't really get much out of that. Facebook ads didn't really get much out of that. Then we just gone back to well, it's just the way we get people. Yeah, it's just meeting people. People seem to like Kate and I, and I'm not really sure why. Might be the beard. Um, I see yours is coming along nicely. Coming along, yeah. I I've been trying to grow it a few times. I thought I could go big with this, and then just yeah. thought. Nah, I don't know. I've tried it a few times and it just gets a bit itchy for me. So this is probably the longest it will ever be. Uh, it has been a bit longer, if I'm honest. I've looked like a full-on homeless man at one point. It's a bit in between, though, isn't it? Like, like yours is quite well-defined. Yeah, that was ages ago for me. But I think, you know, going back to what I was saying, I think people do business with people who they like. Yeah, I and with agree. Us, like, the more we get out there, the more we meet people and have a coffee with people and we go to networking events and we just get chatting to people who they're going to call when something goes wrong you know who they're going to call when the needs point of view you know they're going to they're going to remember you and you know or, or one of their mates has a problem oh yeah. give, give i'm going to call you'll sort you out you know i, I think, mean I, um, I think that that actually segues quite nicely onto onto like 
in my opinion, um, the power of YouTube and, and, and podcasts and things like that. So, you know, you have just started your, your YouTube channel and started vlogging your, your kind of your daily COVID life, which is currently not very adventurous as most COVID lives <laughs> yeah. are. But, but when you go back to business, you know, you'll start to see it. And there's a lot of big businesses now doing this. I mean, we only have to look at the lights of like Gary Vaynerchuk, who, who you know, is doing it every day now. He just pays D-Rock yeah. to follow him around and he's just vlogging absolutely everything he does. And a lot of the advice that I kind of, that we've took on board and, and and what we do with, with YouTube is is a lot of it comes from Gary, if I'm honest, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I think the guy's a genius, if I'm honest. And mm. and he says on there a couple of things. Like, firstly, one, you know, give your advice away for free, and that's probably one question for you. You know, and and there is a good argument to that. Like, well, hang on a minute. You know, I've worked as a safety professional for ten years, and so now I'm going to give advice away for free. Um, and and his and he was challenged on that in one podcast I was listening to, and the guy said it doesn't matter. Like if you're a garage, you're, you're a mechanics, for example, as we would call it over here, um, you should have a YouTube channel teaching people how not to need your mechanics because yeah. they'll try it and they'll either screw it up even more or they're not going to try it and come back to you anyway. But but yeah. what it does is it builds that relationship. It builds that. So when I ring Simon, because I've watched his vlogs, it's 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 a face to the name. I I know yeah. who Simon and Kate are. You know, I feel like part of their their kind of life. There's such, in my opinion, there is such a power to giving this stuff away for free. People think it's a risk. I think you know I've had I've had a certain exec. Well, word of mouth come back to the certain executive of a certain very large and popular health and safety qualification has just had the rug pulled out from beneath their feet by another qualification um oh. by word of mouth has said shouldn't be giving stuff away for free you know you've worked all these years you should be charging for it now i'm not going to listen to a qualification that's just absolutely being wiped off the market by somebody else but that aside it's like i, I don't agree with it i think we've we don't we don't sell like we have only just now started saying we we offer a, we don't offer much we offer a keynote and we've got a one affiliate partnership now that's it we we do not proactively sell yet i've had business come from this podcast and we yeah. don't sell we don't have a website we don't sell we we've only just created a linkedin page it works in my opinion but but we it took us like we're coming up to two years now so in in my opinion youtube is, is a free tv advert it's relationship building it's a no-brainer to me um if you do a podcast do a podcast but you know i, I think there's value in that stuff it'd be interesting obviously you do because you've just started as well but it'd be interesting to see one your opinion on it but two what got you to that point you say you've been going uh, a fair few years now what why yeah. now what why youtube now um because i'm assuming you're time lapse in this conversation because your camera's sitting up behind you which i'm trying with that yeah. yeah although you can only record for 30 minutes can't you and then it stops apparently so. uh what have you got canon yeah. m50 yeah i think i think it yeah. stop at, at an hour i think we'll say that. yeah i think it's stopped now but yeah i'll time lapse it you can I like see it on mate i like a time lapse um yeah it's um so, to, sorry to repeat the question. I just I distracted. It was yeah, no. <laughs> one was was is is there value in that kind of to yeah. to a point giving stuff away for free and and that kind yeah. of relationship building and then what kind of why now for you to start yeah. doing that YouTube? Channel? So we've always valued giving away things for free. So we've 
we've always been releasing um, fact sheets um, and telling people how to do it. Because like you said, then you, you tell them how to do it. And then you say, look, if you don't want to do it, we'll just do it for you. You know, you're busy building your business. You're busy selling your widgets. You know, just give us a shout. We're experts in it. We do it quicker because we do it all the time anyway. So yeah, there's, there's definitely value in giving stuff away for free. That was my that was my thinking, or certainly believed that five years ago. There's a lot of noise now. Everyone's doing it. You go on LinkedIn. There's post after post after post after post. There is so much information out there now. I'm starting to think. What, is it worth continuing to add to the noise on certain platforms? So this kind of like leads us on to why LinkedIn and why uh, why YouTube. So there's a lot of noise uh, on LinkedIn. You know, there's a lot of, you, know, you do a five day free challenge. Part of that challenge is to post eight to 10 pieces of content on LinkedIn a day. So if you imagine the amount of people doing that because they're part of a challenge, you start reading some of the things that people are posting and it's just like dross you know, <laughs> well yeah it's like oh post your favorite movie of all time it's like well i don't care i don't care what anyone else's favorite movie is you know this isn't facebook i, I mean it's for business and um, but because people are in a challenge and they've got to generate eight to ten pieces of content a day you know it's just they're just putting whatever's popping into the head and it you know it's a little frustrating now that there is a lot of noise out there. I do think LinkedIn is good, um, but there is a lot of noise. So we started to think, well, why do people work with us? And like I say, 90% of our work is it comes from referrals and, and I still don't understand why, but a lot of people like Kate and I, um, and I'm not sure why. And that kind of got us onto, well, why don't we film like kind of like this, this vlog? It's kind of like day-to-day -day interaction of, of running two businesses with a family, how that dynamic works, because it is it is difficult. Business is difficult. Life is difficult on its own. Running a family is difficult on its own. And, you know, if people work with us because they like us, because they met us at a networking event or wherever it may be, then maybe them seeing us on YouTube and seeing our interaction, um, is good because there isn't as many people putting content out there onto YouTube. So that, that was one of the reasons why. The other reason is I hate being on video. I hate doing it. I really do not like it. Uh, Kate, Kate's really good. She's really good at presenting. She's really good on, on video. Um, she used to be a primary school teacher. So she, you know, she could stand up. If you said to her, right, you know, you need to go and stand in the Excel in London and present to 10,000 people and you've got 20 minutes to talk on submarines and you've got no time uh, to prepare, she'd just go and do it. Not not a problem, I'm off the cuff and she'd probably talk for two hours. Um, got me to do that, I'd just run off. You wouldn't see me again. So it, it's kind of like a self-development thing for me. Um, okay. I don't like I don't like doing videos. I put myself out there and started doing some Facebook ones. Um, 
but again because that was kind of like adding to the noise the facebook ones the linkedin ones we think a more vlog style um would work better i really struggle really struggle when it comes to presenting a, a formal a formal you know something that if we've got to read certain statistics or present certain facts i really struggle doing that. i really struggle focusing on what i've got to say and actually in dealing with the camera i can talk to you now on this because it's off the cuff we're just chatting and you're chatting about my businesses and i find that very easy i could sit here and, and, and talk all the time whereas when i've got to do something that's quite scripted I really struggle. So our, our first video that we did, our first vlog that we did the other night, you can actually tell there's a section at the start where I just grabbed the camera, right, got went downstairs, and I'm in my, I'm in my vest, and I've just started. Me and Kate just started uh, talking about how we're struggling with you know coronavirus and lockdown at the moment, um, and then there's kind of um, a bit where we go walking the dogs, and there's a second bit which is a scripted bit and you can see the change in me yeah. and the amount of times I had to edit that and cut bits out and the amount of swearing that was involved was just incredible <laughs> really really struggled really struggled just delivering some basic uh, basic wording that we wanted to say uh, yeah, I get it. I'm getting better at it I actually um, took the camera I think it was I think it was last week now i got the camera i basically kept it with me all day and just videoed myself doing stuff and just started chatting to the camera so i am getting a bit better at it and i think moving forwards now our videos and things are all going to be more much more not scripts in the more vlog style Look, this is what we're up to today that, that, that's what a vlog is essentially it's just a it's just a camera following you around so i think i think yeah if, if that's what so it's, it's, uh, delivered, it should be it should be good but i remember I remember we did, um, you know, Dragon's Den. Yeah, I love Dragon's Den. So there was a competition when we first set up Rhino. There was a competition locally to us. It was called Dabbers Den, um, based in based in Nantwich because people from Nantwich are called Dabbers. I don't know why. Um, I'm sure someone will be able to explain and post it in the comments. Um, <laughs> well done. It was called. <laughs> It was called it was called Dabbers Den and there was a I can't remember the prize. It was it was five thousand pounds, I think. Um and we entered that and we had to do a formal presentation, you know, like on the TV show. So you we had there was there was five people sat there, someone from NatWest, um, an accountant, someone who ran um a restaurant, a, a local councillor uh someone else i'm missing someone i'm probably missing someone important as well probably a client or something. <laughs> there's someone else and um we had to we had to do a presentation so we, we me and kate had uh, we had worked really hard we've been rehearsing the, the, this presentation and then i remember walking in to the meeting and i knew one of them knew one of the guys um so i went up and you know i said hi I said hi to him um and then i remember going down the line of people and i just i don't know why I just made up their names. I didn't know them. And I just made up. I just said, hi, nice to meet you, Sarah. I just, <laughs> I don't know why I did it. And it just completely just went 
I don't know, it was just weird. It's so strange. And I just made up everyone's name as I went down this line of people because I was so stressed about about talking. Because and it then, was scripted or, or just Because talking. it was scripted. So, so I did that, which completely threw me off anyway. So then I had to obviously deliver my bit, which was scripted, which I really struggled with anyway. Kate was there and obviously did brilliant with her bit. Um, and then it was questions and answers. And I flew through that because yeah. you know, we knew, you know, we knew how much we'd turn over. We knew our profit. We knew all our figures. We knew our goals. We knew what we wanted to do. Um, and that bit it was easy. Mm. Flew through that completely. I can um, relate to that 100%. When we do and we did that, end up second, which was nice. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well done. But we came, we came second, and we we won, we won something off the back of that, which which was good. Um, oh, it, I've just remembered who it was that was that I missed out, and he was a client. He is a client as well, actually. It was a, it was a solicitor, um, the owner of a big solicitors uh, firm that we actually look after his health and safety now as well. So hopefully, he doesn't. Well, I've got to some this. business eventually out of it. I can I can totally relate to that, and I think I think it is important to to identify your strengths, and if you can um, you can improve them, improve them one hundred percent. And I I do. I do think making videos is something, in my opinion, everyone should be doing. Um, but that that scripted part is interesting because I, I think I'm quite similar to you in a point that if I'm scripted, my, my style is much more like relaxed, flowy, off the cuff, like, and not so yeah. I, I kind of how I get around it. In, and uh, whether you want to go with this or not, but we we do do those kind of structured um, how-to videos on a YouTube channel. Obviously, you've probably seen them, but it, it, they're still very off the cuff. Like the only structure part to it mostly is um, like the hook is the same, the introduction is the same for every video, and then it will just be what we're talking about and some key points. I normally just do like four or five bullet points. So yeah. I'll you know stop recording well i won't stop recording but i'll cut that bit and i'll look right next key point is this yeah. and i can talk off the key point by easy i'm a talker i can do it that's why i've got a bloody podcast you know i can talk for for england but sometimes for example like my wife now she's she's got much more um attention to much better attention to detail than, than i have i'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of man and so she does all, most of the editing um she can just do it so much better than i can so she does a lot of the editing and sometimes when we get really technical videos in a prime example it sits out in my head we did a civil law versus criminal law video that's very technical if you get law wrong you're gonna have some kind of yeah. asshole lawyer commenting on your face so you know in the beginning we just made it clear and i always do when i talk about law look i'm not a lawyer this is my interpretation and this is what yeah. my research tells me but that was heavily scripted and that was one of the most stressful videos i've ever done now if you go talk about what well, five steps to culture i just sat in front of my bloody fish tank and just waffled away because that that stuff just is so natural to me um but how i kind of get around that if i am referencing a part of of a video is be like statistics or a quote from someone i'll be quite clear to the camera and i'll just say i'm going to get my paper because i want to make sure i get it right it's not my quote and i go the hse stairs says that the statistics blah 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 and i get rid of the paper then and then i say right now it's me talking 
um, that's just how I get around it because it's not my strength to, to read off yeah. a script. And I've done videos within like the, the kind of in an employed role uh, as a safety professional. And then when you get like the bloody comms team, they're like, right, this is, this is the tone of voice we want you to have. This is the script we want you to have. We want you to wear this color. So you're on brand. It's like, it just doesn't work for me. And I shut down and I can't, I just can't work. So I do get what you're saying, 100%. And, and I think that's the beauty of video as well, is it, 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 it's raw you to a point. I know you edit, everyone edits it, I edit it as well, but it depends on how authentic you want to be. But one of the biggest messages of rebranding safety is, is authentically me. I cut very little out of our stuff, you know. And I think that's the beauty of it. And I think vlogs are exactly that. I think vlogs are just, a, if I started my business tomorrow, we would blog it from day one, one hundred percent. I think it's yeah, totally amazingly. I mean, I think um, there's a good quote, which is um, "Perfection is the enemy of progress." Yeah, love that. And um, I always work to that, and um, I'd rather release the video now. And we've had some. We had some great feedback. I know you've watched it and you've given us some good tips, which we've implemented as well. And um, we've got feedback from other people as well. And without getting out there and putting it out there and, and be willing to accept that feedback, it just wouldn't have happened. We just wouldn't have done it. And I'm very much more action orientated and Kate's more the perfectionist. So yeah. stuff always kind of lands in the middle because of that, which kind of works out. So mm. it's neither it's neither one way or another. So yeah. stuff. And I thought it was. A, I thought it was a good blog. If I'm honest, so the first for the first blog, I thought the angles you were cutting and the, the kind of shots you were taking, you know, that's stuff that a lot of people don't think about. The amount of blogs I've seen is just one person carrying a camera around all day with some very yeah. basic cuts. It's like, oh, this is boring. But like, I could tell you'd put, I think it was a GoPro or something on your dog and uh you you, you, you know you've done shots where you put the camera outside the door obviously gone back inside the house and then come out the door you know people watching yeah. a video who don't edit videos don't yeah. even think about how you do that but that that stuff that for me i thought was impressive i thought it was impressive no, it was well. uh well done. i mean it's so interesting when you come back and you start editing editing it out i mean we probably had an hour's worth of, of footage and we we uh, you know i had to cut so much out the amount of times i went uh uh <laughs> it was, you know crazy and, and and again that comes down to um <laughs> thinking about what i'm gonna say yeah and just trying to get that comprehension going uh, and a struggle i really do struggle with that and you can probably count the amount of erms in 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 this podcast let us know how many that I've done. Uh, <laughs> it's something I just, but I think it, it comes with it comes with practice. Definitely, definitely. You might, you know, you can then go go through and edit it to an extent. And I did get to a point where I was just like, oh, I'm I'm just fed up with this now, and I just needed to to just put it out there because I think you can just keep editing and keep editing and keep oh, yeah. editing and keep editing. And I just got to the point where I was annoying myself, you know, watching yourself on a screen talking is just, Mind you know, it's a bit, a bit bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually still really struggle listening. I, I can listen to 
my stuff when I'm edit so I can listen back to this and, and edit it quite easily. The videos we make, obviously my wife edits most of them, but I don't mind hearing my own voice. But for some reason I still really struggle if I'm being interviewed. So we've had two podcasts now, two people have invited us to be interviewed and I've got the content but I haven't put it out yet. I really struggle to to listen to me being interviewed because it's a completely different dynamic. It's completely I've I can watch me give a keynote speak. I can watch me yeah. sit in my spare room in the studio, whatever, doing a toolbox talk video, all of that stuff. I could watch it all day long. But me, like being interviewed, oh it's just it's still struggles. Yeah. All, all of those things yeah. come with time. All of them. Yeah, well, I mean I, I I was the same. I whenever I'm on a video I can't really watch it. Yeah. I can't I hate the sound of my own voice. But interestingly, when we filmed our first vlog, I I had had a cold or something, and it changed the sound of my voice. It was a lot deeper, and then I could watch it back. It was so strange. I was just like, it doesn't sound like me, so it's fine watching it. <laughs> what so, do you, yeah. um, so one one kind of last thing I want to I could talk about the YouTube stuff all day. So I want to kind of move on before I do waffle too much. Um, I like I like what you're doing. I like that you've kind of acknowledged that, moved on. Um, but there's interesting points like kind of about scaling safety, which I think, you know, when we talk about scaling businesses, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, off with these kind of business coaches on LinkedIn and podcasts and Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, how are we going to scale this and, and make it international? I want to scale it to a different country. It's like one, you know, for those of us that might not know what is scaling and two, can you even scale safety? Right. Well, I think it, it all comes back to what we were saying before is what what is your goal? What what do you want to do? Being a one-man band health and safety practitioner is fine if that's what your goal is. Yeah. You know, and if you do want to scale, you know, scaling in my eyes is growing growing your business um, to a point where you're well recognized and whether that is globally um, or just in Europe. You know, I was chatting to one of our um, raw members rang me yesterday uh, she's developed a, an online um online training for covid19 for food manufacturers so she was chatting to me about the pricing structure of that and just around that as a whole um product and i said to her you know look this is online you could take this global if you wanted to if you wanted to have that scale, you could deliver it across, you know, the globe. Obviously, the only um, downside to it would be obviously translating it. But you can, you know, you could go, you know, you could look at America, you could look at Canada, um, places like that immediately. So don't, you know, put your focus on where you want to be. So if you do only want to be a one-man band, then that's fine. But you've got to. Bear in mind, there's going to be a limit to the amount of clients you can look after. And what you don't want to do is to have so many clients that you cannot provide a suitable safety, yeah. you know, safety service to them. So you do have to be very, very careful because obviously if something does go wrong, then the HSE will be all, all over you as well as your clients. So you do need to make sure that you set your scale as to where you want it to be you know and if you do want to grow you know can you grow safety and have european clients can you grow safety and have global clients 
you know, we've got a, a global PLC that we look after. We started looking after them a couple of months ago. And what we've just done is we've just implemented their health and safety management system to cover the five offices they've got um, in the UK. And what we're going to do now, once we've got all that agreed, we are going to sit down and look and see how we can replicate that management system out to the offices that are global. So they've got offices in China, uh, Japan, America, Belgium, maybe somewhere else. Um, so we're, what we're going to try and do is base their management system on the British standards, but also bearing in mind any you know local standards as well. So we're going to obviously be heavily liaising with um, the people within that in the specific country to see what their their specific standards are there and then come up with a you know a global management system mm. so I, I think it can, it can be done obviously it's quite a lot of work to do um but i think you, you know you can you can scale it mm. and to whatever size to whatever size you want you know you, you know i wouldn't set your sights too low but you know success to you may mean something completely different to me may mean completely something completely different to someone else so i think you always need to take it back to well what do you want hmm. it's, it's interesting you've kind of broke into the that kind of global market via a client like so so did you you had that kind of uk contract with them and then, and then they said, "What well, can you look at our, our, our global kind of uh, offices as well?" It's interesting that kind of enables you to be able to say, you know, we, you know, we, we, it's it's that kind of uh, testimonial piece again, isn't it? You say, "Well, we're already working yeah. globally," you know, whether you've done it via a client or or landed a client in China, but it it's it's, it's kind of that foot in the door model, isn't it? You've got that foot in the door in in their China office, which gives yeah. you that that experience in china for example which gives you that foot in the door which then yeah. opens up the door eventually to yeah. china uh, potentially yeah. and, and so on and so forth so it's interesting yes yeah, so it's very interesting um you know there is there is some talks of us potentially going and doing site visits out there um india china and places like that so that would be would obviously be interesting to to actually go and do um, obviously there's a cost element involved in that as well so yeah. what we're going to try and do is try and do as much of it remotely as possible so we're going to come up with like a standard you know inspection form based on you know uk regulations get that filled out by someone at the you know, the global offices and just get like kind of a baseline of where their safety is at mm. in comparison to the the you know the uk safety uh, regulations and just see where where they currently stand you know how many how many toilets have they got have they got drinking water you know things like that i mean i don't know never been well um, it's, in, it's interesting actually when you start kind of looking at that international market when the when the different cultures start to impact it and then when i worked for a um uh and I won't say who they are. Well, I worked for a company who had a, a factory in, in Africa and um, 
and we, we 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 got wind of basically that that they um so that the basically the international head of of safety was based in the, in the UK um and basically we as a team had got wind that they hadn't they don't have any kind of uh, foot protection any, no safety oh. shoes or anything and they were like oh what do we do how do we do it and we were like well we can just buy it over here and ship it out to you we've got the we had the within our kind of budget in the uk budget or we had kind of approached finance and said can we absorb the cost in our uk budget to enable us to buy it for the african budget yeah. so that they didn't feel the cost because that was mainly the problem and, and they were like yeah sure so we basically brought thousands of safety shoes got them shipped out to their factory and uh, the next day not one member of staff turned up with the safety shoes on yeah. they all took them home and then when they were asked why you're not wearing them they said because it's the best pair of shoes we've got we want to save it for when we go out for dinner or go to parties and stuff like that so <laughs> it's really and, and obviously that's not the whole of africa it was that was yeah. our factory was in a not very you know a very poor area so it's not like it was in an affluent part of africa but you know it is so interesting that cultural piece and i think you and your team will probably thrive off of it love it well, enjoy it be a massive learning curve we've done um a lot of work with the japanese um okay. those when they set up uh, offices uh, over here we work with a company that basically facilitates that okay so it's, it's run by a japanese gentleman who um he travels between here and Japan, does a lot of work with the, the Japanese government. Um, and then people like Hitachi and place people like that will, will approach him and say, right, we want a European head office. It's got to be in London. Um, we want an office space near the tube. We want five staff. Uh, we want an accountant, um, health and safety, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he will then go and facilitate all that. So we obviously come in and, and do the fire risk assessment on the office, get the health and safety policy up and running. And we've probably been working with him now for a long, a long time. And uh, we actually did some Japanese culture training, which was very, very interesting. And one of the one of the big things is when they hand you a business card, is that you actually read the actual business card. And you don't just shove it in your in your back pocket. You actually read the business card and you comment uh, about yeah, or you like you like the color or the logo or whatever it may be. Um, and it's very very interesting. Uh, the you whole shake your hand at the same time as uh, as taking it as well, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it's, it's back now, it's, isn't it? That's it. You have to. Oh yeah, and it's all these all these little quirks and things. But I think it does does make it very um very very interesting and um, working with with different cultures and i think that's that that's the 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 thing i get how health and safety the most is how interesting it is you know people ask me what i do when i say health and safety consultant and they go mm, right you know and the conversation and stuff like that and if i actually get to talk to them for a bit longer you know we look after um we look after an airline that fly out of Luton Airport. You know, I was doing an inspection on a cruise ship in Southampton um, last year, I think. Um, we look after all these interesting businesses. You know, we've got a client locally to us that um, fits out 
coaches for football clubs. So I've been on Liverpool's, Man City's football club, um, you know, all these interesting things as part of my job. And, and, and surely that's more interesting than, you know, someone just sat in an office nine to five. Mm. And, and that's what I find, you know, working with these different cultures, working in different industries, chatting to business owners and directors just in general about, you know, business. And, and the biggest takeaway I get is when we actually implement health and safety, and it, it, it helps them drive their business forward. It helps them, you know, win tenders, win multi-million pound contracts, um, and they, they are then growing because of a good safety culture. Mm. Yeah, and obviously there's all the benefits to safety as well, like people not dying or getting hurt and things. Yeah. And I think, but I think, you know, if you've got a good safety culture, that shouldn't be happening anyway. I take, I take more from the whole business growth off the back of good safety. Yeah. It's that, it's that kind of positive reinforcement that we don't, we don't talk about. We talk, I talk about that a lot on the podcast and we've had, loads of people on we talk about that kind of thing it's like you know, we, we we only focus on the negatives you know that's a big part of uh, eric konagel's work in safety too you know he's talking about he, a good example i don't think it's his quote i think it's a quote that he takes from somewhere else i can't remember um but you know you can't you can't work out what makes a successful marriage by only looking at divorce um and that's exactly what we do in safety we're trying to work out good safety by only looking at the bad stuff um, yeah. You know, let's let's try and look at what what we're doing right. What safety can do it should be an investment. You know, we had Jonathan Dempsey on a while ago, and he talks about you know risk management is 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 an investment. You know, that kind of change in in yeah. mindset and how we manage the stuff. If you do this right, it's good business. You know, yeah. and you said yourself that those kind of skills as a safety professional have, have helped you in building the business yourself. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you were to if you were to kind of give give one top tip for somebody that's thinking I'm going to start a consultancy tomorrow. What, 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 what do you think it would be? Yeah. It goes back to what I said yesterday. What? I said, that's a challenge. One tip, just one, one tip. tip. Yeah. One tip. Coffee. One tip of, of I'm going to start a consultancy tomorrow. What, what would it be? Come on. My, my one tip would be, my one tip would be coffee. Coffee. Oh, sorry. Buying, start meeting people, buy them a coffee and pick the brains. Oh, and you will get more value out of that than anything else. Certainly when you're first starting off, you know, just pick up your, you know, pick up your Chamber of Commerce magazine, pick up, you know, your local paper, see who's, you know, who's just put an article in the paper to say that they've just opened a new building, say they've just taken on a load of new staff, mm. you know, and then drop them an email. Love what you're doing. Mm. Can I grab a coffee? pick your brains mm. you know and the worst that's going to happen is you don't get a reply yeah but like i say i've done that and most of them were like yeah i'll meet you meet you at costa let's grab a coffee and just have a natter mm. and it's just about getting your name out there get because no one's going to use you if they don't know you mm. and my one tip would be coffee and use that and meet people tell them about what you do listen to what they do and just see if they need a hand with anything. Awesome. I love that. And if uh, anyone listened to this and they're like, I need a business coach or, or, or even a safety professional, you know, get hold of uh, Simon and his team. What, is, what does that look like? How do they do it? 
Yeah, so the probably easiest way is to go to our website. So uh, rhinosafety.co.uk and rawbusinesscoaching.co.uk. Uh, and I think our YouTube channel is just Simon Walter. So if you check that out, you might want to wait until Monday until video two comes out because video one was a bit, you know, <laughs> not 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 brilliant. So yeah, um, we'll, uh, we'll link it all in the um, in the description. Could you give us like a bit of a a quick? I think we all know what a safety consultancy looks like, but but and you alluded to it earlier. But like, what what is raw business coaching? What does that look like for say I, I so let's say I'm I'm a potential customer of yours. You, yeah. you mentioned the mastermind and things like that. What is that? What's it look like? Yeah, so basically what we do is uh, if you were to sign up as a client of ours to Raw Business Coaching, we would have a one-to-one -one meeting with you first where we'd basically run through where you're currently up to in your business life. So what you're currently turning over, what's your current profit. We then look at where do you want to be? What are your goals? You know, and we what we try and do is get as much out of you as possible so we understand what your business is, what your business does and where you want it to go, where you want it to be. So once we've once we've gathered all that information, then what we do is there's a monthly meeting. So this is where we have the mastermind. First thing we do in the morning, um, we all all our members get together, we have the meeting um at a hotel conference center so mm -hmm. we kind of we take the business owners out of their normal day-to-day -day, um environment and we we provide we provide uh, you know tea coffee we provide snacks and, and, and there's food there's lunch provided as well throughout the day so we, we kind of take that away from them and they can solely focus on their business so the first thing we do in the morning is we go over what wins that each business owner has had since the last meeting because i think we focus too much on the negatives in business um you know i've just lost a big client i've got a problem with member of staff don't know what to do um rather than you know patting ourselves on the back so go through the wins so it could be you know just you know one won a big tender mm. and just hit a sales target whatever it may be so that that's the, the first thing and then what we'll do, we'll then go around the room and we will look at what's the one critical thing that would that you that, that's a, that's causing you a problem at the moment that you want to get solved today. So everyone will then talk through what is their one problem from a strategic point of view that they need assistance with to help moving their business forwards. And it's very much a group-led mastermind. So we'll go around the room and I, you know, I might say, oh, I've got a problem with a member of staff who's doing this, that, and the other. Uh, and then you may say, well, we had the same problem with a member of staff and we did X, Y, and Z. Someone might say a different solution. So at the end of the day, then you go away with a couple of different options and, and maybe some more clarity on how to deal with a, with an issue, with a problem. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the day, each member will then go away with three action points so they'll write down their action points um which will then we can then hold them accountable to those because you know what it's like you get all revved up in these these kind of meetings and then you go away and daily life hits you and you know you don't get stuff done mm. we will hold them accountable 
to getting these things these things done so at the next monthly mastermind when we meet we can talk through their actions you know how well did they do did they manage to complete all three have they had a problem with one of them and again we can talk around that and in between so that's like, kind of those masterminds when people like ring you up and be like yo Simon. yeah 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 so we have yo simon <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so they, they can ring us up so if they've got a problem if they've got a more sensitive subject that they want to talk talk to us on a one-to-one they can either phone us up or we hold we hold a like we have a friday where we basically block out the day and, and members can block and come and see us at our office and just go through things on a one-to-one basis so we have those two options as well um, our members also get access to uh, an online training portal that covers things like um, negotiation skills leadership skills linkedin for business seo for business facebook for business and things like that so members get access to that as well um, so they get a whole whole range of services and i think it's important that business owners get other different opinions um don't you know business is tough and don't struggle on your own you know you need to speak to other people other people have you know probably been there seen that seen it and done it um and could probably help you out through a, a problem that you know you think is really is really difficult and i think it's important to get that assistance and that help and that is why we set up raw business coaching and um, we set it up just to help other business owners because we know what it's like we know we know the struggle is as business owners um just you know to keep things going and certainly in 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 this business climate at the moment i think it's very important that you know we talk just from a mental health point of view we do talk to to different people and i think as a business owner sometimes you can feel even more lonely because maybe you know your parents don't understand or your friends don't understand because they don't run their own business but where you can get into a room with other business owners they know what it's like they know you've got to turn over x amount of money just to pay the salaries for you people you employ just to keep the lights on in the office they know what it's like when you've got an underperforming member of staff but you don't know if you can get rid of them or not or how do you get rid of them or maybe you shouldn't get rid of them don't know so this is where getting together and just talking to other people and asking for help or clarification on what you should do this is where it's helpful and that's what we wanted to do that's why we set it up it wasn't to make you know money it was just to help other business owners and And it's interesting because it's grown it's grown to you know we, we only ever want to keep it small you know, the masterminds that we've been involved with, we do did feel that they got too big. We want to keep it under 12 members. Um, but, and I think interestingly at the moment, we think we've got nine, eight, nine members. Um, and some of them come as far away as Derby and drive all the way up to Crewe um, every month. And we had a, we've had an inquiry through from Swansea as well. Um, so again, it's it's really growing, and again, it's word of mouth, um, which again is good. It's good, yeah. And in the um, the light of uh, upfront prices, is that a set rates? What is that like a solid rate to join the membership? Or yeah, so it's three hundred pounds a month 
Um, but we've got a 10% discount on. Okay. Sorry? And you just yeah, get so all of that stuff you talked about. You got that monthly monthly meeting, the the, the option to book a, a slot on Friday and drive up and sit down with you. Yeah. Ring you and just be like, yo, Simon, etc. Yeah, yeah, if you want to say yo, Simon, yeah. Yeah, so if there's anyone interested, we can, you know, we can send over. Obviously, there's a breakdown of everything that's included in the service. Um, there's probably stuff I've missed out there as well. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's certainly not right for everyone. You know, we've been involved in businesses where the directors were very much like, well, we're doing it this way. I'm, I'm not doing it anyone else's way. I don't need anyone else's input. And there are, you know, obviously everyone is different and you know they're not the people that get value out of this yeah but we know it works because we've been doing it for two years you know we've got most of our clients that sign up in year one have signed up again in year two so you know we we do know it works we want to help as many people as we can awesome. um and if anyone wants to have a chat just you know just give us a call you can find us on facebook we're not difficult i'm not hard to find you can find us on facebook you can ask for some more information happy to send over some info awesome we'll put your uh, websites on the links in the description and your uh, youtube channel as well seeing as uh, seeing as it's brand new uh so um i think by the time this comes out it, your episode two and probably three or four might be out by then because we've got okay. quite a big backlog of stuff we'll get better then yeah they'll get they'll get better <laughs> so by the time this comes out you, you can I'll probably delete the old ones then and just be the new one up there. <laughs> hey, I've got my first ever podcast up and that was a hands-free uh, headset and a bloody phone. So, oh, yeah. I'll have to watch that one. I'll have to have a laugh. Yeah, it's just, it, literally, I'm hanging over the end of my side. I remember doing it and I, I won't delete it. I like it. I like, it's yeah. very me. Like like you were saying, perfection is the enemy of progress. Like, And that, yeah. that first podcast we did, I think it's about safety signs. It's just, it's just months and years of kind of desperate to do something, uh, yeah. not doing it, just all blurting out in, in one and frustration of safety, et cetera. It's all blurting out and it's like, I think it's like two minutes long or something like that. And then from there, we've now grown into this and I'll never get rid of it. I'm, I've stayed true to it. I think it's, uh, I love it. Anyway, Simon, thank you very much for coming on the podcast again. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, James. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Simon. I really like kind of, I just like a lot of things he talks about. I really like that kind of thing he says about putting on the wall. Um, you know, we don't work with dicks. Like, that proper resonates with me. I love that. I, don't, I just don't like dickheads, like, in general, really. I don't think anyone does. Um, I really like his kind of no bullshit way of looking at it. And, um, yeah, go and check out their vlog if you if you like what they're doing. You can check them out even more before you commit to business. That's the good thing about vlogs and podcasts. You can really get to know somebody. So go check them out as well. He's in early days as well. So you can really see him in his kind of rawest form, you know, like I was back when I first seen the episode of the podcast. You still listen to the first episode of podcast. Oh, my God, it's horrendous. And that's where Simon is with his YouTube stuff. You can really get into it. But he's gone in heavy with the kind of camera angles and stuff and proper really challenging you know the kind of health and safety market to say you know this is what we can do i like it i like to see more people on youtube especially in this health and safety game it's nice to see so well done simon go check out his youtube channel it'll be linked in the description below if you enjoyed this episode and you thought it brought some value of it to, to and you thought it brought some value to you then please 
give us a rating review on iTunes. It really helps us, like, do that algorithm thingy-majiggy and get into other people's ear holes. If you're on any other platforms, I don't think any of the others have reviews, so just click, like, follow and share it. If you can share it with one person that you think will benefit, that would really help me as well. If you do any of that stuff, like tag us in it, screenshot it on any of our social medias, Twitter it's safety, rebranded, and everywhere else it's rebranding safety. So come chat to us or share our podcast and then just let us know and we can give you a shout out on this podcast. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week in the podcast. Safe. <laughs>